0: As Christians, we believe that there is a real enemy, known as Satan, or the devil, who is a fallen angel who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But what exactly does the Bible teach us about how we are to resist his attacks and stand strong against them? Well, that's exactly what we're gonna be exploring as we turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter three and learn how we can guard ourselves against Satan. Hey there, my friends. Welcome to Stand Strong in the Word. Jason Emin with you as always. Blessed to be with you guys. I do want to say right off the gate that it's been a while since we've been in studio to record for this podcast as we're exploring Second Thessalonians because I've been traveling a lot and it's been very difficult trying to carve out time. So apologies to many of you guys who've been waiting for the next episode. This is podcast 213, and yes, we just finished a few weeks ago 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I pray that you guys are caught up as we continue to study the Bible verse by verse in chronological order. And as always, you can go to org. you can... Check out podcasts that we have available. This one, including another one, Challenging Conversations, there's articles, there's videos that you guys can check out that's on our YouTube channel, that's fed into our website In books that I've written that you can order. And you can also email us if you have prayer requests or you have a apologetic, ethical, theological, uh, philosophical, historical question, anything ranging from the problem of evil, objections to Christianity, or issues of progressive Christianity, you can email us at info at org, And as always, if you love this podcast and it's growing your faith and helping you to stand strong, and maybe you're doing it in a small group discussion, taking our notes and using them uh, to help people grow in their faith, man, that's fantastic. I can't tell you how much it blesses my heart uh, to know through the years how this podcast has fed the souls and minds and hearts of many brothers and sisters around the globe and so it is an honor my my brothers and sisters to be with you and if you want to continue to support this ministry we are a non-profit so it's taxed exempt and you can just go to standstrongministries.org click on donate and whatever you feel led that god has put on your heart to give to support this ministry so we can continue to put out content like this and reach more people like you that would be just so wonderful and i we couldn't do this we couldn't do this without the generous support prayers and giving of people just like you so with that being said we are now transitioning in the chapter uh in this letter that paul like this second letter that paul's writing and this is the last chapter it's a very brief letter and it's built off obviously with his first letter and if you remember what we, where we left off at the end in verses 13 through 17 of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 is about standing strong in your faith. Well, this is, again, just because we have, and you hear me say this a lot, but just because we have chapters and verses, yes, it's easy to navigate and find our place in the Bible. But unfortunately, a lot of times what it does is it prevents us from holistically understanding something because there might be a transition, Okay. In a particular topic or addressing a question and specifically answering it and then addressing something else. And we see that that direct cut or that direct clear line or transition to one subject to the next. Well, this is one of those places where we can't just say, oh, okay, well, he finished his thought at the end of verse 17 of chapter two, and here now in chapter three, verse one, he just begins to talk about other things. No, this is a continuation. Of standing strong in your faith. And so, as I asked in the opening, like, what are we to do? Like, we believe that there is a real enemy. His name is Satan. How are we to fight against him? And one thing you guys will know in scripture, we ourselves are not able to fight against the enemy. We can't resist him on our own. And at the same time, we, we don't give him credence or credit for everything. Okay, that's going on. We have the world that has just fallen, not because of Satan, but because of man falling, that God put us over, dominion over uh, his creation. And because we fell, uh, deterioration, decay, corruption has entered the world. Uh, Now, obviously, Satan was the first, not human being, right? But the first spirit being, in this case, an angelic being, who had free will and chose to fall. And it was through his fallenness that he went and tempted and lied and deceived Adam and Eve, okay? So even though he's a fallen creature and he makes it, you know, his aim, his goal, right? His outcome is to try to steal away as many of God's children as he possibly can and cause, again, more corruption, more despair, more disillusionment, more deception, more destruction. As he continues to do that, you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, who stand strong in his word and are dwelt by the power of the Holy Spirit and have the power of the church together, who Christ is the head, we are to resist him, but we cannot do that on our own. But we don't blame him, okay? We don't blame him for everything, okay? Because we are in this fallen world, as we talked about. That's not just all because of Satan, that's also because of us, our fallenness. And yes, there is a real enemy. And there's also the body of death that we have to deal with. This, this decaying tent, right? That Paul refers to in 2 Corinthians 5. So we can't blame Satan for everything, for every temptation, for every lustful thought, for every prideful action, uh, for every you know form of, of deception, or allurement or tantalizing desires is not all birthed out of Satan's existence through his minions. But having said that, we are to guard ourselves from the evil one. And that's what we're going to be looking at in verses one through five. And so I want to pause and just ask you this before we dive into these five verses. How many of you guys have, when you looked at your life, that you know clearly That Satan is trying to get at your family, to get at you. Or some of you guys, maybe there's some more severe cases where you are hearing uh, these voices or demons have appeared to you and you're like, what? Jay, what are you talking about? Yes, I absolutely 100% uh, believe uh, in that, okay? And I think that we in the Americanized church where I live, because many of you guys are abroad, you you listen to this podcast around the world, but in America... Uh, You know, people who profess to be Christians, we downplay and we say we have faith, but we really don't pay attention to the demonic warfare that is around us. And yes, there's a lot of pockets of Christianity, hence what I'm talking about, where we become numb or we doubt it or we're insensitive, right, to what testimonies people come out of talking about spiritual warfare And seeing angelic, you know, talking about angelic beings fighting against demonic warfare. And so in my personal life, um, I've had many demonic attacks. I've seen them. I've encountered people who've been demonized, um, who are trying to disrupt the work of, of God with myself, my family or colleagues and friends. As you guys know, I've been privileged. Many of you guys pray, support the work that we do—not just in my writing, in my speaking, but in, in these podcasts. And so we we investigate and study a lot of these um, uh, a lot of these reports and trying to equip the church. And so this is a very powerful passage. Whether you have had um, a lot of scary uh, instances in in your life encounters. Or you believe it, but you've never really had that. And I'm not saying because you have or haven't that you're more spiritual than the other. I'm just saying whatever you're, wherever you're at, I just pray that you come with that sense of anticipation. And that God will really speak to you through his word to help you guys resist the devil. That you will stand guard um, and resist. Uh, let me just say this before I read this this is important years ago when i first started Stand strong ministries and we had put out our first book that we self-published and trying to you know connect with you know different outlets and church environments and a local pastor had become a good friend of mine and he wanted us to train um, through the raging war of ideas which is my first uh, self-published book that we published almost 12 years ago now and we were doing a conference and some donor friends of ours who are very spirit-filled and very discerning of spirits, um, she saw a demon behind me as I was teaching, and they were praying against it. They weren't alarmed, didn't make make a fuss about it, didn't tell other people. And then as they were praying and interceding, as they sat there and listened, there was, I don't know, I think over uh, 100-ish people there that morning. And it was a Saturday morning, and it was Uptown Charlotte. And then they saw an angel come and the darkness was gone. And when they told me that, I was moved to compassion. I was moved and I wasn't afraid. Um, I wasn't freaking out. I wasn't questioning them, doubting. I just said, that's why you're here. And I'm so thankful for your guys' faithfulness that you guys are standing strong with me in the Lord. And you cried out to him and he sent powerful angel to fight off that demon and whatever he was there to do that demon uh, was not able to accomplish his task because he was in us as creator amen than he than he was in the world so with that let's look at second Thessalonians chapter three I'm going to read verses one through five and in total when you look at this chapter like I said this is the end of second Thessalonians and it goes to verse 18 so we'll we'll pick this apart into different chunks and hopefully, holistically and comprehensively can gather as much as we can on the podcast about what Paul is intending to speak to his uh, audience of Christians in Thessalonica as he talks about prayer, uh, as he warns them. We're going to talk about next podcast, which I'm really excited to be exploring. The title for that's called Dealing with Church Freeloaders. So I know a lot of our podcast viewers and, and listeners are... Um, in ministry full-time pastors uh, elders missionaries uh, writers and so that's going to be a really good one for you guys as well uh you know who are these freeloaders in the church and how are we to to deal and respond to them and these are conversations i i'm blessed to have in my travels with other pastors that i get to spend time with at a conference they invite me to speak on sunday or uh, we do a family seminar or i come and do a QA, whatever and we get into these discussions, whether it's over a meal with them in private or in leadership settings where I'm training them before the conference gets started. And they have a lot of great questions. And and, and by the way, if you are a pastor and you're like, man, I'd love for Jason, you to come and to train our leadership or our parents, our students on biblical worldview training, um, you can again... Uh, get in touch with us through our website. So let's dive in and li- listen to what Paul says here. As he says, finally, brothers, in verse one, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your heart to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. So that is the word of the Lord before us in these these first five verses. And so I want to, as we do here on the podcast, I want to break these things into sections, into verses, and to understand the flow of what Paul's doing here. Now, as I said before, this, this is picking up where we left off. And so, it's only fair for me to read that to, uh, for us so we can see um, how these are linked together. If you go back in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and we see in verse 13, he says, but we ought always to give thanks to God for you. So this is what I love by the way. That's the Christian life. And one since you hear, you see this in verse 13, we give thanks for you, which is always a strong indication when he says brothers beloved by the Lord. Okay. Because God shows you as a first fruits. Here is a his has a strong shepherd's heart who is giving thanks to God for the people he's ministering to. But then as we see in verse one now of chapter three, he's saying, hey, I pray for you. I give thanks to God for you, but I'm also asking you guys, hey, pray for us. Okay, so that's really cool. Verse 14, to this, he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then brothers, Stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, our father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Now that end in verses 16 and 17, now may our Lord Jesus Christ, that is very common of Paul ending his letter, but he doesn't. He goes now into chapter three and he says, finally, my brothers." So he gives a benediction and then we're going to see at the end of this chapter, verse 16, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times. Gives another closing benediction to the people, kind of seal the deal of what he had shared with them. And so when we see this passage here before us, we see that Paul is exhorting counsel. He's addressing disparate topics that the Thessalonians need to understand and to deal with in their community. And if they don't, then they're not going to stand strong. That is so important, my friends. And I stress to spiritual leaders who God has anointed and called in local churches that listen to the sound of my voice in this podcast as a fellow brother and a pastor and ordained minister, you need to understand These disparate topics, these controversial topics, if you will, things that are going on in the culture today and to discuss them in such a way. Because notice it says that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored. That is a prayer that your church should be praying. Hey, pray for your leaders. Remind them. And why? So that the word of the Lord. What is that saying? That the pastors, the elders, the leaders, they are conduits. They're not the sole Bearers of the gospel message, we all are. We're all ministers of the gospel. But what he's saying is how pray for us for, for, for protection. So what God has called us to do in addressing these things that we will we will tackle them. You know, Paul he requested prayer often in Romans 15, verses 38 through 32, Ephesians 6, 18 through 19, Colossians 4, verse 2 and 3, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 25. What does that say? Ask for prayer. That's what it, That's what it says. There is a lot of times throughout the week where I will randomly uh, text um, intercessors, people that I know. That the moment I text them and say, "Pray for something," and I give. I just don't. I don't just say, "Hey, pray for me." Notice Paul says, "Pray so that," right? The the Lord, the word of the Lord may speed ahead. And there's a lot of times I ask people that support our ministry. Hey, pray for uh, the podcast that we reach more people, so that right. And you fill in the blank. And and Paul frequently asked for this, and we need to do as we need to do that as well. Now, in this case, remember, Paul he he was encouraged. He was encouraged because the Thessalonians uh, were all about advancing the gospel. Going back to First Thessalonians chapter one and verse four and following, he loved hearing how the people of Macedonia heard of their testimony. Now, this phrase, word of the Lord may speed, this is powerful because Paul describes the spreading of the gospel as a victorious runner who receives a reward at the end of the race. That's how he describes the word of God spreading just like a person who's racing to receive a reward. Now, this is a reference from Psalm 147, verse 15, specifically in the Septuagint. That's the Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures of the Old Testament, right? that describes God's word as running swiftly, okay? That's a prayer. Lord, may your word run swiftly through this podcast. As our, as our objective, our ultimate goal is to teach people your word. Now, the word pictures in the New Testament notes that this is the only time in the New Testament that Paul joins two present subjective verbs together. What does that mean? Well, it means that Paul, what he's doing here is he's capturing the triumphant power, okay? So the triumphant power of the word of God that is evident in the lives of the people. And what what, what he's conveying here is that people put their trust in God's word and they have faith in its power. And let's just pause and think about that. You know, how many of us trust in the power of God's word. I was just telling an audience of Christians, when was the last time you shared the gospel and you, you, you shared the word of God, not just verbally, but you, you opened the Bible. You had the person that you're sharing the gospel with to read, let's say the Romans wrote, passages in the book of Romans out loud. You know, see, because the writer of Hebrews says that the universe is sustained by the word of God. Hebrews eleven three. three. And notice another thing. It's not just that it would run swiftly, but that it would be honored. The verbs used represent a continual series of victoriousness or victories, I should say, as the gospel expands around the world. So when we, not just when we talk about missions, but when we say, Lord, I pray that there will be victories as the gospel expands around the world. Lives not only saved, but vessels of honor that are sanctified and useful for the, for the master, prepared for every good work. People who go from uh, debauchery, people who go from being alienated from the life of God and they're saved. Uh, people with addictions and they're saved. They've surrendered to Jesus. They've read the scriptures. You know, Grant Osborne said that the second request here and be honored is that the gospel of Christ be honored. The Greek word here is dox, doxo which means to be glorified, picturing the honor or glory uh, the victorious runner receives after winning the race. So when you take the two images that are combined, they produce an image of Christianity competing with other world religions to win adherence. Isn't that awesome? See, that's one thing I love about Christian apologetics is that we are are competing, if you will, to an audience of people with all these different worldviews That they have different frameworks, whatever it may be about what prime reality is or what values or faith, uh, what matters most, what is worship, what is our absolute concern, what are we driven towards uh, in body, mind, and spirit. And so that's a prayer that Paul prays because when it comes to the enemy, what is he trying to do? Well, notice he says here in verse two, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. So Satan, one of his ways to try to prevent the word of God to speed ahead and to be honored, again, capturing this idea, this picture of a victorious runner who who receives his prize after winning the race, okay? And so we wanna see Christianity to expound God's kingdom, to expound around the world by seeing people who are not pursuing worthless ideologies or as the Bible says in in Colossians two verse eight, empty philosophy, okay, with no truth basically. And that's what we see with this form of modern modernists or these relativists, where they say, This is my truth, this is my freedom, this is what I believe. But as we pray, we pray so that we're delivered from wicked and evil people who have no faith. So again, Paul contrasts those of faith from the wicked. That's autopon. In Greek, it means perverse. And, the, and so that's wicked. Wicked just means perverse. And the word evil here in Greek is actively harmful. So yes, there are people who are actively trying to um, assassinate people, assault people, not just criticize people, not just cause division, but to silence and to defame men and women of God. Now, I do believe that it's likely here that Paul was mentioning his enemies in Corinth. If you look at the correlation here in context, and I want you guys to look at a passage of scripture in the book of Acts 18, verses 12 through 17, where it says this, but when Galileo was pro of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, this man is persuaded people to worship God contrary to the law but when Paul was about to open his mouth Galeo said to the Jews if it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime O Jews I would have reason to accept your complaint but since it is a matter of questions about words and names and your own law see to it yourselves I refuse to be a judge of these things and he drove them from the tribunal and they all seized Sothinus the ruler of the synagogue, and they beat him in front of the tribunal. But Galileo paid no attention to any of this who uh, who attacked him in his ministry in Acts 18, 12 through 17. So I believe that this is one, uh, probably not, we know it's an experience that Paul had, but I believe as he's writing this about deliverance from wicked evil men, he's referring back to these type of instances that he has dealt with that he's had. And I think unless you really have faced persecution, um, and that you've actually been delivered from wicked and evil people, you know, that you don't really pay attention to this. It's not really a big issue to you because like really persecution, whatever, if you've never been attacked, of course you're, you're not going to, you're going to think lightly of it, but we who are in Christ, we are to pray for deliverance. We are to remain confident in the faithfulness of God. And we are to ask people for prayer. You know, recently I was going into a very dark city and I had a lot of people who prayed and, It was amazing. There was total protection. And the pastor in that community, immediately, we started to have the dinner before the conference started. We began to have a long conversation about demonology, about spiritual attacks, about all kinds of wicked, perverse things that were happening, uh, scandals that took place that Satan was using from wicked and evil people. Remember, perverse people and actively harmful people. So if there's perversity, there will be people who are trying to harm you as well. Now, obviously, through taking advantage of someone is harming them. But there are two separate meanings in one sense is that people are defiling people sexually through their perversity, but also at the same time harming them like in terms of abuse physically or actively harmful in the sense that they are not to be trusted, okay? Uh, they're there to disrupt are there to steal from people, um, to undermine authority. So keep that in mind. Uh, and we are to pray against that. And notice the other is for not all have faith literally means does not belong to all. So that's the sad reality, isn't it? Is that there are people who willingly reject the free gift of salvation. And that's another thing we need to be praying for is the, the lost people in our lives that we know for a fact that they don't, they don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, but I love this because verse 3 reminds us, but the Lord is faithful. And Paul says, and he will establish you and guard you against the evil one. So this is really now drawing us more specifically to the topic at hand. You see, in context, in context Paul uplifts the faithfulness of God as his key to our protection. That's it. I mean, it, we have to uplift trust in who god is that he is faithful that he will protect us okay his people that he will establish and guard you and i against the evil one if you go back to deuteronomy 7 9 we we see i mean even from the old and the new testament even in our lives today outside of the canonized of scripture god will never forsake his people right god will always keep his promises there's never been a time where he broke it So when you look at Deuteronomy 7 verse 9, it says, know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. So Paul then proceeds, right? He knows the scriptures. He know when I say scriptures, the Jewish scriptures, he knows this and he proceeds to write that we are protected from the evil one by prayer in verse 2 and 3. You know, he's taken from the Jewish scriptures. And again, this is something that Paul, if you go back to our study in First Thessalonians, he mentioned the attacks of Satan in verse 2, verse 18, chapter 3, verse 5. And here we'll see later in our next podcast, Second Thessalonians 2, verse 9. Now, if you look at Matthew in Matthew 6, verse 13, this is also important. And I do believe at this point in time that Paul had a lot of Jesus's teachings, even though they were not compiled yet, in the formal sense, in a biographical sense of Mark and then Matthew and then Luke and then John. But nevertheless, I do believe that he had a lot of teachings of Jesus and perhaps knew of Matthew six thirteen that comes from the Sermon on the Mount where we are to pray that God will deliver us from the evil one. Or when Jesus prayed in John seventeen fifteen, known as the priestly prayer, that we are to be protected from the evil one. Also in verse five, where Paul tells us that God's love and our perseverance in the full armor of God will protect us. You go back to Ephesians six, verse 11. So my friends, we are to pray as Jesus told us to pray in Matthew 6, 13, as he prayed over us in John 17, verse 15. And as Paul says here, that, that God is faithful and he will establish you and guard you against the evil one. That word guard again is that he is our protector that we will not be injured. That's what we need. So I would encourage you guys to be more specific when you say, you know, when you pray over him, may the Lord protect us, you say, may the Lord establish you and guard you. And notice he says, verse four, and we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things we command. See, we can overlook this in context when we're talking about being guarding or excuse me, when it comes to guarding ourselves against the evil one. We can overlook this whole thing about doing the things that God has commanded. See, Paul believed in the work that they were doing, right? Go back to chapter one. If you go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter three, verse two, where he says, you know, remember he told, I'm gonna send Timothy, why? So to establish and exhort you guys in, in the faith. You know, that is so important because when you are weak, when you are defenseless, when you're isolated, when you're doubting God, questioning him, and not finding resolve and strength and answers in the word and from the community of other people who are like-minded and and powered by the Holy Spirit, you're not established and exhorted, and exhorted in your faith. And Satan knows that. And he will go after you. And so when you have leaders who are in your life who have confidence of what you are doing, I just received a text recently from a dear friend who's a pastor, and he just says, hey, man, I just... Thank you for how you love and lead your family. That was such a blessing here. Because it was confirmation also too that there are people who I respect and look up to who have confidence in the work that I'm doing unto the Lord. They see the fruit. And isn't that the way it's supposed to be? That's not bragging about who I, that's through the Holy Spirit. And it encourages me. And that's a brother who who I look up to as well. And you let him know that. Or you let your friend, you let her know How amazing of a mom she is, and how how touched you are in her leadership in the church, and how she loves people and she's patient and kind. And she's not self-serving. You know, another aspect of having confidence in the Lord is you know, through the activity of the spirit in the body of Christ. When you see the Holy Spirit moving, you see unity, when you're seeing men and women who are being mightily used by the Lord. That strengthens other people's faith. It encourages them to trust in the work of God. My friends, I can't stress that anymore to each one of us. And, and we need to be thankful for that. So yes, okay, you like the building. Okay, so what? You like the program. So what? You like the worship. So what? You think the pastor is a very cool, engaging person who loves the Lord and you like following his podcast and you, you enjoy the series that he puts out. Great. But at the end of the day, you want to be around men and women who are being mightily used by the Lord that are strengthening the people's faith. I was talking to a, a dear friend recently, and they're struggling in their church. You know, aren't, aren't a lot of us, especially post-COVID. And, and I remind them, as I remind each one of us, in the close here in verse 5, may the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. So these are little nuggets of, of blessings and benedictions that Paul puts in there. Because one, if, if we're going to guard ourselves against the enemy, we need to be asking people to pray for us, right? We need to be asking that the word of God will spread and be honored. Uh, we need to continue to be alert and sensitive against people who are wicked and evil so we don't fall prey to their devices. We need to continue to be reminded that the Lord is faithful, continue to pray and ask that he will establish and guard us against the evil one that is Satan himself, Right? And we need to make sure in verse four that we have leaders who are confident in the work that we're doing, that they they can validate. A lot of times you hear about accountability. Man, you need to be accountable. And that is true. But here's the thing. We need to be sustainable. Okay, my friends? So if accountability is not leading to sustainability, then there's a problem. But you have to have people who are being used by God to validate that that is actually sustainability. And so when we're talking about being established and being exhorted, that you are doing and will do the things that we command, that you are teachable, that you're being obedient. And the last thing is that the Lord will direct your hearts to the love of God. So that's what prayer, which Paul again often did, when he made his transitions to other topics, he did that in Second Thess- Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. He does it in First Thessalonians 3, verses 11 through 13. He does it in Romans 5, or 6 and 7. Uh, and also Romans 15, verse 13. But here in verse 5, Paul uses the word direct to let the Thessalonians know that God will remove any obstacle, lie, or obstruction that stands in the way of them so that they can grow in their faith and love in Christ Jesus. So that's how... I want us to focus in at at the close of this is that when we pray for people, we say, Lord, if there's anything that is hindering, anything that is preventing, that you will direct people's hearts. You see, when you look at the persecutions, when when you look at the trials that many of us are faced with today, it defeats many young people because they don't have the maturity. They don't have the support to be sustainable. But here's the thing, my friends, even when you face these things and you fail, and you have guilt and regret and you ask for forgiveness and God cleanses us, that strengthens us. It draws us closer to the Lord. Because remember the big thing here is that what are we asking God to direct our hearts to? To love him more. And not only that, but to have the steadfastness of Christ. That word, literally steadfastness, is the word perseverance. Okay? hopemonen That's the Greek word. So what Paul's praying And what we need to pray is that the Thessalonians, right, when they when they were alive, when he's writing this, that they will experience the magnificent love of God. And I and that's what we need to be praying, that we will experience the magnificent love of God, meaning that our faith in Christ is immovable because he's indestructible. You can't tear it apart from you can't destroy it. It can't be stolen. And so when we are being obedient, here's the key thing. When we when notice the steadfastness of Christ is not just looking at him as our anchor, but as our example, because guess what? He came and took human form. He was an example we see in Hebrews 2, 14, 15, Hebrews 5. He, he was in Romans 12. He's for the joy that's set before him. He persevered amid persecution, amid tax and suffering, public execution. And he says, Father, forgive them. He didn't say, Father, I forgive you because you made a mistake by putting me on the cross. He knew why he had to be the substitute. He knew why he had to atone for the sins of mankind, even while we were still sinners. Even when we were alienated against him, separated from him, he died for us. So I pray, my friends, as you as you think about, okay, how do I guard myself against the evil one? Again, number one, Pray that the word of God in your life will speed ahead, that you'll be a conduit where you are taking not just your knowledge of God's word, but your love, your appreciation, your faith in it, and that you will teach people the word of God and that it will be honored, okay? That's number one. Number two, to guard yourself against the evil one, you have to make sure that you are paying close attention with the kind of influence that you're around, There are wicked and evil people. There are perverse and actively harmful people who are trying to put an end to your faith and have you fall into temptation. So pray against that. Be attentive and and be careful the people that you associate with so that you're guarding yourself against the evil one. Number three, remember, God is faithful, okay? So number four, Pray that he will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Again, that he is your protector. Every day you look to him as your refuge, as your shield and as your defense. Okay, and then the last two things that we see here, I think five and six, is make sure that you are around people that can confirm and affirm the work you're doing in the Lord. And the last thing here, number six, is that you pray for God to direct your hearts, that you love him more, and that your life is built on the steadfastness of Christ. Remember, he is our firm foundation. And when you do these things, my friends, in faith, and you see not just the, the, the fruit of what you're doing in your faith, but the resolve, Satan will not be able to destroy the work that you're doing. He'll try, but you will resist him. And you will push him back and you will gain more ground for the kingdom of God. So I pray that has been a blessing to you guys as you guys seek to be protected and guarded from the evil one. Again, as always, you guys, wherever you get your podcasts, please make sure that you leave a review so other people like you can hear and know about Stand Strong in the Word. If you care about God's Word and the culture today and seeing how it's being silenced and or how many people out there are compromising in Scripture and making it all about themselves and all these false teachers try to be all flashy and seductive in their preaching and it really has no uh, bearing or no relevance to the word of God. And yet you listen to this podcast and you're like, man, praise God for this. Leave us a review. Let people know. That helps build the audience and get uh, you know more traction, which, man, we we couldn't do it without you guys. So that would be great. And support the ministry. I'm letting more of you supporters a lot of times you could be prideful or not think that people care and kind of be sheepish or doubt or have lack of faith. But I'm, I am saying um, with, with no shame and just complete boldness and honesty to all of my listeners out there, we need your support to continue to be able to do this podcast. And so if you have considered giving and you never have, now's the time. I would greatly appreciate that. And even drop us an email. Say, hey, I just went online to standstrongministries.org and I gave a gift Uh, And a monthly reoccurring gift obviously is so, so needed uh, because that way we can count on the budget that we have monthly so we could do more things to advertise, to promote, to share this ministry and all the other things that we're doing at Stand Strong Ministries to reach more people just like you, to reinforce biblical truth and and to help Christians stand strong no matter the cost. So thank you, my friends. Love you guys. Until next time, keep standing on the word of God.